Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Clear Motor Market? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collisions YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, Clermotive Marketing is 15. I want to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collisions. Why was he walking up to my guest this morning? Miss Megan Lee. How are you doing, Megan? Good. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on. We got introduced through, I believe, Nanette Ho Covington, who I'm a huge fan of, who's a, a connector and a very influential leader in the city. And she said, Tyler, do you know who you need to talk to? Do you know anything about quantum? And I said, I said, aside from learning a little bit to know I know know anything, no, and I really want to learn about it. So you're managing director at Quantum City at the University of Calgary. So let's just open this open the floor. What is Quantum City? What do you do? What's it all about? And let's kick off this conversation. Okay. So Quantum City essentially is an initiative that started about a year and a half ago. And, you know, our really mandate is to create a quantum ecosystem in Alberta that benefits Alberta. So um, the founding partners are University of Calgary and the government of Alberta and an industry partner, multinational IT services company, Emphasis. So we were, you know, given the mandate again to create a quantum ecosystem by leveraging quantum you know, research has been happening in Calgary. Did you know Calgary's been doing research in quantum since the nineties? <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to boldly say no, and I'm, I'm, I would imagine many of my guests or many of the people you talk to probably look at you with surprised when you right, say that. Right, <laughs> right. So it's been going on since the nineties, really. So you know, sector has really developed. So you know, the university and the government really wanted to essentially start taking, you know, start getting benefit out of it. So when we were first given the mandate, you know, we were thinking, okay, what does that mean to build an ecosystem? Because it could mean so many different things to different people. So mm-hmm. we'd sort of did an environment scan because we wanted to essentially find our niche, not necessarily you know, repeating what others are doing in the world. So there are quantum hubs in Canada, of course, um, and all over the world. And we found that you know, lots of quantum hubs are really focusing on pushing that IP out of the lab into okay. startups. So it's really focusing on the startup creation and raising money for it. Mm-hmm. And we felt that the gap in the ecosystem is really on the market pool, the other side of the market, who is working with you know, potential adopters of these quantum technologies, energy, life sciences, you name it, who's working with them and help them in their quantum adoption journey. So essentially, that's our target market. And we believe that by focusing on the market pool, we'll be organically supporting the rest of the ecosystem. So really, our vision is to become a quantum hub where quantum technologies become quantum solutions. And then to meet that vision, our mission is to really capture the benefit of quantum technologies by creating adoption pathways. So from that perspective, are you industry agnostic from the idea that any industry that has a curiosity or a drive or a potential use case could work with you to understand how that would actually come true? Yes. And we are also, um, I mean, our vision is to become a global hub. So in a way that Hmm. we think global, so I don't want to limit ourselves to, you know, like regional 
initiative. Okay. So yeah, we want to be global, but we're definitely industry agnostic for sure. Okay. But also regional agnostic and not limited to Western Canada or just because it right. happens to be physically situated here. That's almost irrelevant. From that's that perspective. right. That's right. Okay. That, oh, all right. I have so many questions. But let's start. <laughs> let's start with quantum in the '90s, because I think for many of us, these are terms we're starting to hear in the last three to five years. Okay. Is it like so many technologies where things are just getting to a point now that they're starting to become? I don't want to use the word mainstream, but a little bit more c- computing power, AI. So, oh, AI, it's so new. It's like, well, we've been working on that since the '50s, but we've got to a point now. Is quantum on a similar journey? When you just, you know, very off the cuff say, oh, we've been doing this since the '90s. For most of us, it probably hasn't hit our radar. until the last kind of five years. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. Um, You know, just like how AI was a few decades ago, so quantum is just sort (laughs) of Sometimes a few months. Are we coming up to the one-year anniversary? (laughs) It feels like a year ago for many of us, we're like, AI, what? ChatGPT? I can get this on my phone? (laughs) Right, right. And so hardware, you know, is getting better constantly, and so is the rest of the sector. So yeah, I would say, you know, it's, yeah, it's sort of how AI was a few decades ago. Okay, and it's advancing. And is there anything specific like that? I'm curious, diving in a little bit. Like, is it is that is it a series of factors coming together to drive that forward, or is it just it's maturing through its kind of next cycle? Hmm, that's a good question. To be honest with you, I'm not sure if I'm technically qualified to answer okay. that. That's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I was I was on your website this morning, creeping as I do, and doing some searching and reading and looking, and just like looking at different governments around the world funding. And I think Finland had a news release I read mm-hmm. about their their uh, twenty qubit, and they want to go to fifty. And mm. the amount of money that's being put, mm. are we seeing more funding coming from? Like you said, your partner was you know a large global company mm-hmm. as well as UFC, mm-hmm. but as well as the government. Is the government also seeing that we need to put some money into this now? To more so than maybe they did 20 years ago that helps drive this? Just purely thinking about the funding side of it. Definitely. So Canada was, I believe, the 20th country in the world to actually public, uh, publicize national quantum strategy. So Canada, mm. um, so we are into year two, possibly going to year three already of the seven-year quantum strategy. And with the strategy, $360 million is being invested. Um and yeah, so many other countries are definitely investing in quantum research and technology. And okay. interesting enough, lots of developing countries are interested in investing and are investing because they believe it's their chance to essentially catch up. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh. So when we say 20th, is there a big gap between one one to five to 15 to 20? Because you say 20th on a global stage, that could sound early or it could sound late, depending on who else is in that ranking. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the other the other top 20s are, I would say, the obvious ones. Um, of course, yeah. China's definitely investing heavy, so it's US and um, France and UK. So, yeah. Um, so a lot of your, a lot of the, right. who would you expect to be your, exactly. the typical players? But I like what you said about emerging nations seeing this as an opportunity to kind of leapfrog or to mm-hmm. get ahead or mm-hmm. to get their chance to, uh, how do we capitalize on, on this new opportunity and where, and where it can go? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Because we believe the quantum, you know, will be, you know, life-changing technology. You know, we don't quite know how it will impact our life, but we believe that it will impact every aspect of our life. So, um, 
you know, everyone is very interested in joining this race, you could say. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're also... There's always so, an, always an arms race <laughs> in one way or another. I'm not to use... That's a, that, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's a charged term. But it, to a certain extent, it is. And technology and, you know, data is the new oil and all those buzzy terms we've heard over the years, right? For sure. And, you know, I think, you know, a good sector of the industry is also interested in, you know, how do we make this amazing technology equitable? Like, you know, how can we yeah. ensure equitable access? You know, I think we're trying to learn... You know what mistakes do we make with, um, you know, potentially AI or, you know, um, Facebooks and Twitters and all those <laughs> big giants out there. So yeah, so I think there's a lot of push for equitable access and diversity and inclusion, which is great. But yeah, doing our best. And is it, you know, will we one day look the way we say digital transformation now? Will we say quantum? Will we will we say quantum transformation? You know, oh, digital transformation. Well, it's just it's just everywhere, and if it's not digital, it's not a sector. It's an underpinning. Mm-hmm. Do we see quantum uh, in my mind? I see it as like being an underpinning of so much once the technology becomes accessible, like you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Very, yeah. very, very similar. Yeah. So, with the work you're doing, so what have you? Early days, you're a year and a half, two years in, or sorry, I think a year and a half in with with Quantum City. Mm-hmm. What have you seen? What are some of your is some of your thesis starting to come true? Is some of it being disproven? What's been the journey so far in terms of what you've seen now that it's you know it's real, <laughs> it's it's off the uh, it's off the board and now into starting to play in the real space. Mm-hmm. Right, um, maybe it's a good time to a little bit of kind of talk a little bit about you know our activities sort of our pillars okay. of focus and yes, maybe you can take it from there so we do have three big pol- pillars of activities the first one is talent generation the world cannot hire fast enough <laughs> speaking of arm- oh, speaking of an arms race the yeah. talent race is real <laughs> everywhere any industry you go to from labor right. all the way up to highly skilled <laughs> nobody can get quote unquote the right people <laughs> yes and i think even you know with the way things are now, remote remote working is possible. So now you're, you're no longer competing, you know, with you know, against yes. local companies. You're competing against the giants from all over the world. So um, talent generation is really important, especially to Canada. So in addition to traditional PhDs and um, the masters that universities are pumping out. Our really goal is to create a pipeline for quantum and quantum adjacent workforce, so talent and expertise. So the first one that we're supporting is University of Calgary's Professional Master's in Applied Quantum Computing. So it's a 12-month stackable degree, including four-month paid internship within a company. And it's really meant to essentially quantumize, so upskill and reskill. Curl new working software engineers and data scientists and yes, people who don't know quantum. Okay. So but yet have a heavily they're already heavily weighted and have worked or been spent time in mm-hmm. in, in that in that realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're looking for someone, you know, who who knows how to code in Python, who understand linear algebra, but yeah. If doesn't you know know quantum, so not, we're not looking for okay. quantum scientists essentially. Okay. Um, so that's the first program we are supporting, and of course we have few other um, you know programs in the plan, and because it's just for computing. And um, you know when we say quantum, we do we mean quantum computing and quantum sensing and quantum safe communications. So second pillar of activity is building and operating quantum enabling infrastructure. So the first one we are building currently is a fabrication facility focusing on quantum folks. So we're right now we're calling it QLab and it'll be essentially a clean room facility just on the north side of the main campus in the University Innovation Quarter. And 
and um, that's really meant to support the you know researchers and industry who are working on making quantum devices. And next quantum that, de- quantum devices, just like again from everything I've read, are incredibly mm-hmm. sensitive to vibrations, to noise, yes. to environmental factors. Like that's yes. one of the limiting factors for sure with advancing quantum technology is, mm-hmm. is how fin- mm-hmm. how finicky it is. Mm-hmm. You've done your homework <laughs> a little bit. Yes, I, I've, yes. I've read just enough to be dangerous, <laughs> Megan. Just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> yes. So very sensitive to exactly everything you mentioned. So imagine like bus route next to it, and yeah, elevator next to to the lab. So it's yeah, very sensitive. So in order to mitigate that, you know, building of such a facility is, of course, a big task. And significant. It, That's not a small capital investment. Right, either. right. So that kind of gives you an idea how much university and the province are, you know, really believing in this technology and hoping to invest a lot and more going forward. Because listen to you, like, that's a pillar. If we don't have right. the infrastructure, if you don't have the equipment, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and that's very broad, it's just that that's a limiting and for most companies for sure. that's not financially viable to build on their own. They're exactly. going to have to partner or build or a company with. Okay. Yeah, that definitely. Sense. And right next to that fabrication facility, we are building a collision space. Again, right now we're calling it Q hub and it'll be um, opening in a year. And it's really meant to be a collision space where, you know, quantum visionaries, people, you know, uh, who are being trained or people who want to try out quantum, anyone who's interested in quantum, essentially, um, you know, it's gathering place. So we'll have space for, um, you know, startups, but also big companies to have satellite offices and have space for my team, but also it'll have um, in the collision space and event space for people who are using that lab I just mentioned. Yeah, okay. really, you know, we're hoping to encourage that, you know, like, um, uncommon interaction amongst mm-hmm. different folks normally wouldn't interact with each other so that's so, um, so not an in, an integrate not a not a um, incubator per se from a financial perspective but more of literally like how do we get people to bump into each other <laughs> so, yes yes i mean yeah. we will have some um startup space and okay. you know incubation of course is in our mind and you know I, so building is a building the building has to be activated by programs that run out of it so yes, we do for, you know plan to <laughs> the um, brick and mortar doesn't do yeah. that on its own yes absolutely <laughs> so you know we have various uh, programs that will be launching include including um you know some focus on startups and incubations and acceleration but you know we don't mean to do everything ourselves i really don't believe in you know uh copying what's already being out in the ecosystem Mm -hmm. when that doesn't really necessarily has to be that way so you know we have planned to partner with you know some great organization who are already in that um space and hoping it feels like we already have an infrastructure in alberta that does that you're just plugging the quantum aspect maybe into that exactly exactly so you know if there's a gap for whatever reason for quantum startups then we'll focus on filling that gap but we don't yeah we don't plan to necessarily recreate what's already out there so that's that's where that's where you get a lot of yeah that's it's where in an early stage ecosystem you can get a lot of overlap because everyone's trying to do everything versus going hey you're Mm -hmm. really good at that so i'm going to stay over here but let's work together yeah, yeah. So our model is, you know, leverage and accelerate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, that's our plan. And third pillar is, you know, is really the, the now on the industry side. How do we bridge that gap between quantum technologies and quantum solutions? So a couple activities that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So one, it's very exciting one. So we have we are hosting Quantum City 
quantum computing challenge for sustainable solutions. It'll be launched in a month. It's a good time to plug our event. Please do. <laughs> um, Please our do. annual event um, called Q-Connect. It'll be on November 15 and 16, so Thursday and Friday at TELUS Convention Center in downtown. It's not an academic event. It's really going back to our vision. It's an event to connect the quantum solution creators and users. And that's where we'll be launching our um, challenge officially. So this is... Um, this was our way to engage our Alberta energy sector, mm. and we are creating, a, you know, innovative, friendly environment for them to try out quantum and quantum adjacent technologies to solve the problems of today. So we are planning to launch um, three, possibly four use cases that are feasible for quantum computing and will be challenging the world. So it's open to anyone in the world. Because essentially, quantum is too small to be like, limiting to like Alberta companies only or Canadian yeah. companies only, which is not there yet. So we're challenging the entire world um, to come up with quantum solutions for the use cases we'll be providing. And, oh. you know, it'll it'll be, you know, really a mixture of startups, but it could be big companies, big consulting companies, or it could be, you know, student out of Norway. We have no idea. <laughs> so which we're very the, excited. Which is the whole fun about colliding and bringing it all together. Exactly, exactly. So they'll be launched at our event. And yeah, so again, the event is you know, really meant for quantum adopters and creators. And we'll have great panels. We have some great national, international speakers coming. Um, yeah. So hope to see so everyone I'm, there. Okay, excellent. Good, solid plug. Um, <laughs> If we were to put them on the scale, adopters on one side, creators on the other, mm -hmm. is there a balance? Is there a misbalance? Um, it sounds like you're working to create a little bit more of uh, 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 join the two together. But where are we sitting right now? Is there uh, enough people to adopt or not enough to create? <laughs> I mean, that's a big, good question. I mean, we are early, you know, like in mm -hmm. our sector. So I find that right now we are finding lots of you know, quantum creators, quantum you know, solution creators and wannabes. And that doesn't mean, you know, there'll be, there's imbalance. I think this means that we haven't found the adopters yet or the okay. adopters don't know they should be adopters, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, I hate to age myself, but, you know, like Y2K, it took, you know, years to prepare for that. So it's a similar yes. thing. We can't expect to just wait till quantum computer gets good enough for, like, oh, I'll just buy a computer or switch it on and I'll know how to do it. It doesn't work like that, right? It'll take <laughs> years to develop workforce for sure but develop you know like even figure it out like how will would this new technology you know be um integrated in my current system that will take time that will take time to you know study your current infrastructure and figure out a plan so i think it's just a matter of um you know, educating and finding that adopter and again, again, create that friendly and innovative environment for them to start trying out quantum technology. So when the technology, for example, quantum hardware catches up, you know, there'll be you no know, less seamless, a seamless um, transition essentially into quantum. It's, you don't just buy the you just don't don't just buy the computer and put it and plug it in. I like yeah, <laughs> it's not don't don't misunderstand. And I would I would assume based on the way you define that these adopters are going to be nation states. These adopters are going to be large 
global enterprises. It, it sounds like it's the realm of the big and powerful with the time and the budgets to run this out and go, we know 10 years from now from a, you know, an advanced, you know, thinking about the future perspective, we need to be here. We'll start very slowly now because we have the runway and we know that you know, to hit our eight or 10 year vision, we've got to bring this kind of technology to bear, but we have no idea what that might be yet. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's why the world is sort of scrambling for that use cases, trying to figure it out like, okay, so we keep hearing about this quantum computer and quantum algorithm, but quite, what can we really use this for? So, um, you know, going back to that challenge, that was our, you know, that was our hope, you know, how can we engage our energy sector essentially and try to create some use cases um, for them to, you know, for us kind of actually spark you know, new ideas. So that kind of, kind of give them a little bit idea of like, oh, so we can be, you know, we can use quantum for this. So, you know, um, we've been doing a lot of activities in quantum computing, but, you know, of course, we hope to repeat that uh, activities in other two, so quantum sensing and quantum safe communications. But, you know, going back to quantum computing, you know, um, typically talk about, you know, four different categories. So one is the quantum optimization, one is quantum um, chemistry, quantum, and another one is quantum machine learning, and last one is quantum factorization. And that is the interesting one. That's when people are talking about, oh, when quantum computer gets smart enough, would it crack all my encryption? What will happen to my bank data and all that? So that leads to, you know, the whole, how do we become quantum safe? Like, how do we ensure our data and, you know, or everything we're doing is safe from the the evil doers of the world. But yeah, so going back to the quantum... I mean, not everyone has our best interests in mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, so and I've had to- a few guests on the show talking about the quantum security oh, side of it. And, and when that when that changes or when that, mm-hmm. that, sh- that shift happens, what happens to our security, what happens to our, you know, quote unquote, illusion of, of safety and security online, it can evaporate. Is that mm-hmm. a five-year, 10-year? Is that, is, is that a bit doomsday-ish or is that a real thing we need to, to, to think about? Because it sounds scary and scary right, makes for right. headlines, right? right? Scary gets articles read. <laughs> I mean, it is scary. And, you know, if you were to ask the, the experts who are working in that industry, they would say, you know, like we're running out of time. We should be working on this right now. I don't know okay. why no one's listening to me. <laughs> I, and I've heard that from a few cybersecurity where right. they're like, we, and they were very bold. They're like, Canada, yeah. we have our head in the sand. We mm-hmm. can't wait and look at this 10 years from now. We need to look at it now mm-hmm. because there are nation states, bad actors that are going to use that to be exploitative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think some people are saying, you know, like five, 10 years, okay. but you know, like uh, US is already working on, you know, that the next, like the next encryption, right? So, um, so you know, RSA is you know is the common one they're using right now, and definitely it'll be it'll be broken by quantum computers. So um, there are two ways to become quantum safe. So another one, one way would be you know like how do we communicate uh, quantum state, which is you know um, yeah, start involved. start with quantum encryption versus just right. having regular encryption, and then a quantum computer can then take that apart quite easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another way would be just you know come up with now just more difficult mathematical equation we can use as an encryption method, and you know that doesn't involve quantum at all. So it's fundamentally, with with quantum, and as I've had it described to me, you know the, the zeros and ones, which is traditional computing now, mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. now taking that dice being able to compute all sides simultaneously over and over again, which just mm-hmm. accelerates the speed at mm-hmm. which calculations can be. That's my oversimplified armchair mm-hmm. version yeah. <laughs> of what I've had explained to me. I was like, okay, that makes sense to me. It's like, no, you're calculating all sides of the dice simultaneously and right. repetitively at a massive rate. So calculations now that could take this long mm-hmm. are a fraction to take moments. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I mean, quantum computer isn't necessarily a speed for every 
impossible math question out there. Okay. But for certain ones, yes, it will definitely speed up. For example, yeah, factorization, like uh, encryption. Yeah, hmm. it'll be broken by quantum computer. And so from an, from an industry back to, back to the, I love the, you're there to bridge that gap and be the matchmaker between the creators and the adopters. Mm -hmm. When you look at those four different pillars, are there ones where you're seeing more interest than others? Obviously factorization, because it ties very quickly to encryption, which most people can go, Ooh, I feel that. I feel that mm -hmm. risk, right? Especially as a large organization, there's mm -hmm. story after story as of late of companies. Unfortunately, some, uh, someone got in the back door, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And that's mean, happening it, now without quantum computers. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's a good question. I mean, with the factorization, I think we are, you know, seeing some activities happening in, you know, the banking industry and, mm, you know, of course, the governments because, yeah, they are worried about, you know, that data security. I honestly think, you know, um, more sectors need to start thinking about that. Um, I mean, imagine our health data, you know, or, you know, question of energy security. What if someone, right, like some evildoer yes. um, gets hold of um, a password or whatever and get into our energy infrastructure, power structure? I mean, mm -hmm. that's disastrous. Well, when you, um, read the, the, when you read the the doom and gloom, you know, the next yeah. war is a cyber war. Mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. There's some very quick lines are drawn between how how exposed we are and that, mm -hmm. that that's already going on at, at a very low level, mm -hmm. but kind of held together with duct tape and Baylor twine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, not to get into doing yeah. it, but I've read it. I think it was that book I've read by a New York Times reporter. This is this is how they tell me the world ends. And it was all about cyber security and cyber mm. breakdown of our infrastructure. It wasn't a very, um, I didn't feel positive afterwards. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, and, you but it know, makes other, you think. It makes you think. It oh, makes for you sure. Think. And other three, you know, categories, I think I am seeing, um, I think optimization is an easy one for people to kind of, you mm. know, like, oh, okay, like I've got a lot of data and yes. I can always optimize, you know, our supply chain or whatever it be. So I think that's sort of a... I don't want to say easy character, but it seems to kind of... It, it's it's yeah. more comfortable to understand. And I if you understand so. what the idea, you might get... You, what, what will you get? If you're comfortable with something, you'll maybe move towards it mm -hmm, easier, right? Mm -hmm. People seem to be you know, more open to that. And maybe, maybe it's also because, you know, optimization, you know, it, it can impact all different sectors at, yeah, at different times. So I think that's one thing. And But however... You no know, experts say that quantum chemistry simulation is the killer application. So, for mm. example, you know, um, making new compounds or more, more drug compounds. And of course, you know, we know that it can take, you know, years, multiple years in lab trying different things. And so, imagine if you could um, do that, you know, essentially in silico using quantum computer and shorten that time. That'd be amazing. I listened to a futurist talk about even the future of transportation and um, subsonic travel and all of those things and saying, well, with quantum computers, the ability to calculate the formula, the engineering formulations of the wing design, which mm -hmm. would take us years of testing, we can do now, like, you know, momentarily. The way mm -hmm. he was just showing all the different fields that we're already you know, areas of our world that we live in that will accelerate when our ability to do these calculations and to optimize, like mm -hmm. you said about chemicals, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We can now test and prove out these compounds, uh, you know, in a fraction of the time as, of, you know, years to, to, to weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very, oh, so ex That's the whole, very exciting. The future is oh, very exciting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
Um, curious back to, and I'm circling back a little bit, but on the job side of it, cause I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining right now, or I'm hoping someone's listening, thinking about, is this a field I might want to get into? Mm-hmm. Is this a field of like, where's, where's the, where's the ball heading? And I want to intersect that where it's, where it's going. What are some of the, like when you say we have a talent shortage, which not surprising to hear that, but what are some of the jobs that I would see listed on the, jo- on, on these job boards that someone might apply for to get, to end up on the path to work even in this industry or go directly to it? Mm, a very good question. I think, um, you know, quantum essentially a platforms and, you know, we're really looking for the intersection between the verticals. So, of course, traditional, you know, quantum you know, um, scientists are definitely needed. But, you know, going forward, we, we need people who can interact with verticals. So someone um, who can understand quantum, but who also understands math or computing science or chemistry. But um, that's one sector. But even going, going, going beyond, let's say... Um, energy sector i mean they're going to need someone who understands energy not just different disciplines but different di- right which i've often heard so many and it was just maybe leading to my next question the challenge between i really understand the technology i want to f- i want to help you in your industry but i don't necessarily understand your your industry how it works mm-hmm. like that gap mm-hmm. that i know that exists in ai that exists in data, so many of the deep technologies sure. they run for around sure. looking for solutions but don't always aren't able to connect at the real root problems mm-hmm. maybe at the business case of big energy for example right right yeah so like you know creating use case you know it really takes an interdisciplinary approach we need mm-hmm. the quantum and people who understand quantum but we need people who understand that sector so yeah one of our activities mm-hmm. we're doing will be support We'll be funding um, some interdisciplinary consortia. So um, we have some very exciting sectors we are hoping to invest in. But yeah, it takes an interdisciplinary approach. So yeah, those four uh, sectors we mentioned, like um, math, comp sci, and chemistry, and uh, I'm forgetting one. <laughs> but yeah, but it's essentially like, and I think it kind of goes back to, you know, the professional masters uh that we're supporting we wanted yeah, of applied you know, quantum right. but, but bring your background bring your mm-hmm. discipline bring your Definitely. area of expertise to the table and now let's put a quantum filter on top yeah. of it to oversimplify yeah. mm-hmm. and that's what we need to yeah create that adoption pathway and how long is that program you said was that 12 months it's a 12 month including four months paid internship which is really great you know it's for that sounds fantastic um, actually yeah, <laughs> that sounds like company, it actually makes a lot of sense to me exactly it's for the companies to you know try out potential employee in a very and, and vice versa and, and vice versa, vice versa. <laughs> definitely definitely yeah and are you like for a program like that i'm assuming you're looking like you said back this is a global opportunity not just mm-hmm. regional or certainly not even mm-hmm. just uh, canadian and are are you? Are we getting? And I say we because this is also a very pro Western Canadian podcast. Are we getting attraction on the world stage? Like, are you seeing candidates or or students or continuing edge students looking to move into quantum coming from global for this type of a program? For sure, I think Canada, you know, is honest, honestly a very popular place for yeah, education. I, from, I period. That as well, even some of our net new immigration numbers are reflective mm-hmm. in our in our students. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Canada has done really great in quantum research in the past. And um, Alberta, of course, um, is a great place to live, right? So a lot of... Um, it is. I have a yeah, bias there people. as well. Yes, <laughs> yeah, of course. Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> um, I love Calgary. Calgary is honestly a great place to live. So I think that, you know, again, you know, adds to an attraction factor, you know, they can, um, they can great great education but also you know, live in a beautiful place for them and their families and and, mm. and the economy is growing so yeah so i think we're definitely seeing some international um attraction and you know but we don't know of 
many programs. Actually, I think we found maybe one other program in the world that is maybe similar to our program. So I okay. think our program is quite unique. And because of that, I think we're also, um, we've been very successful in getting in this industry interest. I mean, to get that degree approved by the government, we had to prove that this is actually needed by the industry. And, you know, we approached several big players and you know we asked them will you critique our you know cur curriculum will you make sure you know we are developing well based the right on your four months industry? internship yeah. you you need companies to put their hand not just say For i sure. think this is great they actually yeah. need to physically be active mm -hmm. in the program yeah and the third asks will you hire an intern or potentially grad they said yes 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 we need this program <laughs> please yeah how soon can they be ready yeah, yeah so from a government perspective, is the primary driver there jobs, creating that new jobs? I think I read a thousand new jobs or mm -hmm. I was reading on your site this morning. When the government looks at it, I know jobs is such an easy thing to measure and it, mm -hmm. it tracks well from an election cycle. It also <laughs> put, it, it creates, it gets the wheel going and it, yeah. it takes, it, it brings in net new revenue from a tax perspective. Is that their main thing that the government looks at when they're, when you're working with them on your program is what will this, will there be an output of jobs? I mean, it is, I would say definitely one of the two main factors. I mean, job numbers is definitely important, but on the other hand, and it's diversification, right? Like Alberta has been very resource heavy, but we do know that it's not going to last forever. So we need to look into, you know, like other sectors that would, you know, keep our prosperity. And, you know, another one mm -hmm. is technology. And um, I think it's called not keeping all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> Elbert has been talking about diversifying for decades, but I feel yes. like, you know, it's finally, we're finally doing something, you know, like AI and quantum are top priorities in Alberta innovation strategy. And yeah, so I think it's, it's a long play, but you know, we also have a great minister in, in the ministry of innovation technology, you know, who's very forward looking and who's very interested in you know, investing in high tech. So we're very grateful. To have is that Nate? Uh, is that Nate? Glubish. Yeah. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. totally. I need to have him on the show. I've I've <laughs> run into him a few times at events and his attitude and energy towards this, I think is is very strong. And yeah. it always comes down to leadership somewhere along the way, right? Mm -hmm, <laughs> Someone has mm -hmm. to go, hey, I think this is important. Let's let's do it. And I love what you said. And I, you know, when I met um Cam Linky from uh, mm. from Amy and mm -hmm. hey, we've been leader in this for years. It just wasn't always talked about, right? I'm hearing mm -hmm. the same thing when you talk about quantum. Oh, we're just getting into it. No, no, no. We've been into it since the 90s. Yeah. We've just packaged it now in a different way that's maybe more palatable. And it's just matching the evolution of where the technology is going mm -hmm. and hopefully helping get there faster. Mm -hmm. a AI quantum, because you can't throw a stick right now without hitting something that says AI on it. <laughs> and uh, whether it's a pitch deck or a company that's going, yeah, we use AI. It's like, well, so do I. I use ChatGPT. Does that mean I? I should put that in my pitch deck. No, all jokes aside, how does that balance? Because also, if I'm a large scale adopter or potential adopter, I'm also being so overwhelmed with quote unquote digital transformation, mm -hmm. AI, how I'm using my data, machine learning. Like, does quantum feel like, oh, it's another, it's another, or does it complement and all interweave in? And that's a really broad question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I think it's, of course, they have their differences, but I, you know, think they're complementary in many ways. Okay. And, you know, we want to be, um, you know, so we're very solution driven, but we also know quantum is a very long term play. So we want to be helping the industry with the quantum in mind, but we also want to be solving the problems of today. That means we need to be using quantum adjacent technology that are available right now, such as machine learning and AI. So okay. I, I quantum adjacent. See, is a good yeah. Way so yeah. We, we see a lot of complementary uh, between the complementary between the two. And another plug for our event, we will have a great session on Thursday morning talking about, you know, quantum, what is quantum, but also how is quantum different from AI? 
Okay. Mm-hmm. How, well, do you have a, do you have a quick do you do you have the cold notes on that right now? Or I'm putting you on the spot. I'm aware, Megan. I know I am. I know I am. I do not have cold notes on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, but fair, yeah, we have enough. great speakers coming out from um, Ontario and Quebec for that. Fair enough. And are you mm-hmm. uh, from a speaker? Are you pulling speakers from across Canada? Or I'm assuming that, I'm assuming that the global community for this is actually quite small. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. probably knows each other or knows of each other. <laughs> yeah. So quantum is actually very. Yeah, like I, I do love, you know, it's small, it's constantly growing, but, you know, we seem to know each other very well. And at least in Canada, we're, you know, very supportive of each other and all those four hubs, um, you know, really always making sure we talk to each other. And again, I think we're always trying to learn from others' mistake and we want to mm-hmm. be that, you know, like we can't be siloed, you know, we just we just cannot compete like that. Canada is a small country, essentially, you know, it's spread across a big big piece of land so we really need <laughs> to is, make sure is. that we need to work together so yeah so I've, yeah I've, I've heard pictures. that i've heard that come through right from the beginning of like we mm-hmm. we, we we did a market check we took a we took a look and said yeah. hey let's not repeat let's not duplicate exactly. let's find where the gaps are and create mm-hmm. and create value there when you look globally yourself or your organization when behind the closed doors <laughs> not, the, not, not that, <laughs> that came out wrong when you're sitting in that room talking about other parts of the world like where do you get your inspiration from? Who's doing this really well? And I understand they're doing it differently, but they're still leading in different ways. What jurisdictions, you know, you said maybe there's some surprise ones with some smaller countries, but mm-hmm. who's really breaking the mold on this and, and where we can all look for? I'm always curious where we can look for inspiration. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I can't honestly say if there's one that's like, oh yeah, that is a dream and we want to follow. Okay. Um, but, you know, UK has a very interesting um, hub model and they've been working on their like, um, quantum, like national quantum strategy for a while. Actually, they're already in their second round, second iteration. So that, that's an interesting one to look at. But, you know, of course, our neighbor, Americans, um, right. yeah, they, they are doing very interesting, you know, stuff. And of course, their investment, their size is you know, of course, ridiculously yeah, yes. large. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just a difference to literally minimum 10x everything just to right. start, just to start. And, you know, they have few hubs. Um, and But the Chicago area is quite interesting, I find. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, they find that, I find that they're um, doing very interesting activities, you know, again, working with industry and adopters. So, yeah, for for our initiative, Quantum City, actually, we see quite a bit of alignment between us and Chicago. So, yeah, that's one model, I think. Um, and what industry specifically at. are you seeing? Like, is it because of who, the industries that are that are just geographically located in that area that are really gravitating towards it? Like, I'm always looking for what's the what was the catalyst? <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know if I know the exact answer for that. Um, okay. I did hear that apparently, I think it was 60% of the national quantum strategy money is being poured into Chicago area, which surprised me big time. <laughs> <laughs> um, not Boston or not Silicon Valley. Yeah, there's but, a lot uh, of other options that could have been on that list. Right, right. <laughs> right. But I mean, Chicago does have, you know, great universities, um, you know, some fantastic universities have been doing research for mm-hmm. a while. So I assume it was sort of an ecosystem at getting support from many different levels, like from the university level, from the research, but from the municipal level. And yeah, it's probably industry just around it. And Chicago is, of course, a big metropolitan area. So Of course. Mm-hmm. Just the scope and scale when you mm-hmm. talk about U.S. cities. Is this because of the stage that it's at? Like you said about so many universities, I can only see that academia is going to continue to play a huge role in this mm-hmm. as it slowly moves to be more commercialized and more accept, uh, approachable or applicable for enterprise. Mm-hmm. feels like the academia still has to hold the reins. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
challenges with, and I've had this, I've had this conversation come up before between <laughs> academia and enterprise because they speak two different languages often. And it sounds like you're trying to bridge the gap in the middle. So what are some of those challenges that you see from taking it from that lab and, uh, the, the theoretical uh, or the philosophical application versus the rubber meets the road that industry requires to actually have things make sense for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, and I think the challenge, you know, always has been for many other sectors too, it's just the collision and the communications, right? So I find that, you know, like we see that too often, you know, it's like startups creating products or services without really talking to the customers and you know, because they they, they <laughs> yes, really what, what, believe what could in, go wrong what could go wrong <laughs> they believe in their science and their products and services and it's like of course everyone wants to buy it why wouldn't they it's the best thing mm -hmm. since like the bread uh, but of course we know that too well <laughs> yes <laughs> there's many many case out. studies we've all read about that <laughs> yeah. right so but I yet think, it continues. But right. yet it continues to happen. To your point, mm -hmm. so it continues to happen. But you know, with technologies, you no, know, we always need to be aware of academic freedom, right? So you know, sometimes mm -hmm. a truly brilliant idea comes from just you know brilliant research, you know, uh, scientists and iconoclasts kind of doing their thing and you know, pursuing right. what they believe in. So you know, always making sure, yes, that when there's an intersection between research and industry, make sure there is the good communication and good collision, but also be aware that, you know, like academia also needs to have their own academic freedom to pursue their own, you know, interests for, you know, next IP. Some, sometimes an idea for the sake of the idea, not mm -hmm. necessarily the commercial problem mm -hmm. it might, may or may not solve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, the intersect is, it's difficult, right? Like, I mean, the goals do intersect, but sometimes they have very different goals. <laughs> and, yeah. and speak it and speak a different language sometimes, mm -hmm. literally. Yeah. Yeah. Which exactly I understand where you've kind of positioned yourself mm -hmm. as an organization is right in that intersection in that, mm -hmm. in the, in the messy, in the messy Venn diagram. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> as I'm pitching you hanging out right in the middle there. <laughs> Going, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying and I hear what you're saying. I'm going to help translate to get you in the same room and maybe get you spending some more time together yeah. around yeah. the solution and, being provided. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe going back to the job, right? Being able to speak that to the different languages mm. is incredibly important. <laughs> yes. And I've been to, yeah, I've been to a room where, I've been to a room where, you know, we had scientists and we had some business folks and, you know, like they're arguing and I'm like, guys, you're saying the same thing. <laughs> Do you know you're actually agreeing with each other? <laughs> you're mediating slash translating. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious a little bit, and this isn't a personal story, but how did you find your way into the, in, into this role? Was it from an interest in quantum? I'm looking at your background, interesting large organization and kind of building things. Yeah. And, and But quantum, did you, it was just an, an area of passion? Like Because you probably took a bit of a risk to kind of put yourself into that space. Mm -hmm. There was probably a lot of learning to be done as well. Just to, just be empathizing with people listening, yeah. going, "Oh my God, that feels so foreign to me." Yeah. Well, one step at a time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, um, I mean, I'm very fortunate to be given this role. I mean, I, I love my role, and I'm very fortunate to have our scientific director Barry Sanders, which you know he's one of the world's best. So to really work with him, to learn from him, you know, it's been a fantastic experience. I'm very fortunate. Um, so yeah, I don't have background in quantum, but I've been in the whole innovation ecosystem. I've been sort of, you know, like passionate about building that ecosystem. I've been sort of all over the spectrum, like from the research side to all the way to, you know, um, op operation of um, you know, small, small biotech. So, um, you know, when, when I was interviewing, like they asked me, do you know quantum? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm not a quantum scientist. I took physics right. classes. However, like, you know, I understand science and I, 
ions and business that can kind of mm. be in that intersection. And um, just, you know, like, just I kind of, I mean, I guess I knew the deep tech sector in general. So I think mm. that was helpful. And yeah, so I think, you know, I was hired for this role for that um, ecosystem building abilities, you know, work to work with a great scientist that we have in Calgary. Well, it, it seems like you're a perfect representation of the the brand promise or the, the you know the value proposition of Quantum City coming alive in your own. <laughs> you know, I have this background, but I appreciate this, and I understand it enough to see the value. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious enough to to lean in, to learn, and to mm-hmm. go on the journey because this is not an overnight buy the mm-hmm. computer and put it on your desk solution. Yeah, this is thinking about it and engaging. And I hear the ten year. You know, when you think about timeline, when you as an organization look at like, okay, when we look at where we're going to see inflection point are going to see move forward is it like 10 years gets thrown around but it's almost a throwaway number it's easy to throw around Mm. but is that the journey we're on like in the next five to ten years like even you as an organization do you think of everything on that like a decade-long timeline yeah i mean it's it's a very good question um i feel like this sector is so rapidly changing Mm. when people ask me do you have like a five-year business plan i'm like i like (laughs) the plan i had a year ago is not what i'm doing right now so (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah. I mean, the joke so, of like a six-month plan is about all you get to yes, do in a fast-moving yes. industry, right? <laughs> and because we want to be flexible too, right? As the sector is changing, we want to be nimble enough to take opportunities and kind of pivot if we needed to. Our vision will, you know, be the same. Our vision, you know, obviously yeah. is that focusing on that solution side. But yeah, um, sector is just the very, how we get there yeah. might be might be yeah. up for grabs. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's I appreciate a, that. It's a very interesting journey. So what I'm hearing is we need a part two a year from now just to see how things are going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for thank sure. You so, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and opening the door a little bit to this world for uh, like what I would be suspicious a lot of my audience is going to be like, huh, curious, but I don't really know. <laughs> and if, 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 if this podcast does anything, it helps people go, huh, I want to learn a little bit more. Where do, where, where do I click? So do you have any recommendations? And well, here are maybe a couple of questions. One, how do they best find inf- information about you? Mm-hmm. Two, do you have any reading material? Do you, would, you, would, you, would you direct anyone to certain areas if they just want to learn more about quantum in general? Aside from absolutely attending your event on November 15th and 16th. Right. But right. aside from that, do you have any recommends? Mm-hmm. Aside from that, um, so our new upside will be going up very soon so okay. we'll have lots of information on that so i'm hoping uh, middle or late october oh perfect um, mm. yeah but you know um national quantum strategy is interesting to read but um actually lots of um consulting folks like mckinsey has mm-hmm. some great summary just on quantum kind of industry focused quantum stories so that's kind of interesting to read but yeah, I would say, yeah, the event is really meant to be, you know, to, to be addressing questions like this, like, you know, for quantum computing and quantum, you know, safe communications and quantum sensing. What does it mean to, you know, what what does quantum focus mean in different sectors and by what are some challenges and benefits and what do we, what do we need to be thinking about? So. so if someone was simply like in the business community or technology and they're just mm-hmm. curious about quantum, would that, would there still be a place for them at this event or does it, is it more focused on people with a little bit deeper knowledge? No, we're definitely the first one you mentioned. So we've, okay. t- we've yeah, told all the speakers, just know that audience is very smart, but audiences are not quantum scientists. They're That's coming a nice here. way, yes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're smart, they just don't know this field. Exactly. That's a nice way to put They've it. heard yeah. of quantum, they're interested in quantum, but they don't know what how it'll impact their industry. So that mm. our entire conference is focusing on that. 
to be a flashback of my university professors who are incredibly skilled, but jumped beyond the audience too quickly. And all of a sudden, everyone's <laughs> sitting there staring at the screen. So I'm sure it can go down that road very quickly if you're not careful. Yes, yes, for sure. Megan's yes. on the side waving going, no, no, dial it back. Yeah. Dial, bring it down a little bit. Because I would imagine also the individuals that are very passionate and live in the oh, throes yes. of this, it goes very deep, very, very quickly into a oh, language yes. that becomes very foreign very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got some great panels and I made sure each panel has an expert but also the early adopters, the industry nice. folk. Yeah. I, re- I really, really, well, it makes it approachable, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it alienates people too soon. They never get a chance to even yes. be curious about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, Megan, absolutely lovely to talk to you. Thank you for your oh, passion you. and your clear enthusiasm for this. What's the best way for people? LinkedIn, do you have a preferred if someone was just dying to learn more and chat? Obviously, your website's coming out. I searched it. University of Calgary, Quantum City comes up. Lots of information. But <laughs> good, uh, good. are you a LinkedIn person? Do you, do you have a I preferred channel? I am a LinkedIn channel? person. Okay. Seems yeah. to be these days, if you're not, you're missing out. It's mm-hmm. it's just such an easy place to find people. Yeah. I don't tweet, but I'm a LinkedIn No, person. yes. You, 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 you nor I. My social media manager does occasionally tweet for me, but I stay away from those. I find um, LinkedIn, it benefits my workday. Those just distract and make you feel like you wasted your time. <laughs> But um, yeah, you, Megan Lee, PhD, MBA on uh, on LinkedIn. Thanks for coming on. I really encourage people to go. If you're curious at all, go check out the event. It sounds awesome. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check my calendar right after we get off this to Thank see what, you. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm doing on those two days. Awesome. Megan, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you.